Hello, happy Wednesday, happy Valentine's Day, happy Ash Wednesday. <laughs> There's a lot going on today. There is. It's a it's a big day. It's Wednesday. I love Wednesdays. I don't know why, but I love Wednesdays. It's raining here, so I'm getting showers of blessing. Mm. Oh, nice. Uh, that would satisfy events, but not mm-hmm. me. I prefer <laughs> bright sun and warm days. So well, you'll get that today. I know. That's what it is here. Um, I was talking to Lisa yesterday morning, and um, and it was snowing in Connecticut. And mm-hmm. so I was very happy for her because she felt like she was really missing out on the Kansas winter because since she moved to Connecticut, Connecticut has not offered her Connecticut weather. Wow. <laughs> but she sent me a video and it was definitely what you would expect of nice. Connecticut in the wintertime. Nice. Very snowy. And the Cardinals, maybe she should just share it. Lisa, maybe you should share your video with the rest of us. But anyway, there was Cardinals like just flying through the snow. So it was very... Um, It was everything that you would want from a winter scene. And um, I'm just glad it wasn't happening here. (laughs) I was, I I was born in the sunshine. I'm made for the sunshine people. It's fine. You can love your weather. I can love mine. Um, So what are your big plans for Valentine's day? Do you have big plans Vince? Uh, We are going to have dinner at home tonight. We, we celebrate our, engagement anniversary today because we were engaged Tiff and I were engaged 26 years ago on Valentine's Day. Congratulations. Sounds a little cliche but you know I had a four-day weekend and so I drove from Colorado to California overnight to spend a couple of days there. Um, That was you know that was a big deal back then because yeah that's that was outside of the radius that the army says you you can go is you know that radius is 250 miles back then for a four-day weekend and that drive was like 1200 miles (laughs) that is love people (laughs) right there that is love he broke broke military rules (laughs) 2400 mile round trip in a weekend that's insane it was that's a lot of driving um well did, did it more than once too yes enjoy enjoy your valentine's night in it looks like Anne marie yes. is planning to also and is that is that a meal for two in <laughs> Anne marie <laughs> um we don't really we're just doing the normal typical wednesday night Bible study. However, I will tell you this. Robin and I um, used leftover cake matter <laughs> to make cake pops for tonight. And nice. let's just say that that is easier said than done. Making cake pops is, um, I feel there is a real science behind it. And let's just mm-hmm. say we don't know it. <laughs> We made a massive mess and oh yeah and our story don't tell anyone but our story goes like this we took the materials to the local preschool and had them help Sheridan down the street here yes because that makes more sense than mm-hmm. two adults 
<laughs> making these things that we'll call cake pops. <laughs> it's pretty bad. They're ugly. It honestly, it looks more like Easter threw up than any kind of a Valentine Day celebration. But it's whatever. Listen, they. Will I know Lucas will still enjoy them. They will taste good. Yes, Lucas. Please come and eat our cake pops anyway. Oh, he will. Oh, so Nicole, do you make cake pops? Oh gosh, I listen. I can cook, but baking is just not my. It's not my realm. It's not where I belong. It's not where I'm assigned. Paid <laughs> <Hey>, for effort. <laughs> Thank you, Nicole. Um, oh, your daughter does, and she's eleven. Stop embarrassing you do bake oh my gosh see i'm not one of those people i say it's because baking requires exact measurements and i don't like to be told what to do yeah yeah baking science cooking's the art yep nope no thank you i can't bake either i can't even make the instant bucket okay listen i can do that that's like i I can make i just don't like to yeah no, I've tried it. This is probably more of a point of failure for me because uh-huh. I've tried it and like my cookies turn out like cake. And hmm. so I was just, I just rejected the whole idea. I'm done. Well, there are I'm, people that excel in this and it's not me and I'm okay with it. Yeah. Abigail does. My daughter, Abigail, she excels at baking. Like we stay in baked goods and bread and all the things. So. Yeah, that's excellent. Ooh. And here's the other thing worth mentioning. I don't even like breads. I do. There you have it. There you have it, people. Okay. Well, I hope that your Valentine Day plans are are excellent mm-hmm. and and um, that you're finding a reason to celebrate today. Um, Ash Wednesday. How do you guys celebrate Ash Wednesday? I was raised in the Catholic Church, so... I, uh, my, my idea of Ash Wednesday is really boxed in and I haven't really quite honestly explored it outside of that Have a cake baking day, the day before we come over. <laughs> and Marie, I love it that she, she inserts herself in the happenings of Kansas in July and, and she's just making plans on our behalf. That's excellent. That is excellent. So, so far we have a dancing day and now a baking day, apparently. I'm not coming to that one, but um, have fun. All right. We are in. <laughs> <laughs> we are in um, chapters six and seven. Um, if you tuned in on Sunday, you know that we didn't really make it much into seven, except to make mention of the martyrdom of Stephen. And um, but there is a long, glorious speech that really I think would take weeks for us mm-hmm. to, to really um, do a, a great service to because there's so much content in there and um, just so much rich history and then understanding why. Why is Stephen pulling these things out before these specific people what what is it that that he is doing through this speech i don't know if he's just you know if it's a speech because he's waiting on tables listen this is how the human mind works we like to downgrade things depending 
on what your role is in in church society. So some translations say speech, others say sermon. I think Fence even said sermonette <laughs> while we were talking about this. So it just depends on how you want to view what it is that, that Stephen is doing. I just think he's provoked and words just started falling out. That's what I think. I don't think that there was any kind of a, a planned sermon on, on Stephen's part. I, I think that, you know, Acts 6.10 says it all. Yet they were not able to withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he spoke. Mm -hmm. So what we have here is wisdom pouring out, not just leaking out in this case. We have wisdom pouring out and the religious elite in in this situation could not withstand it. And, and and I think that we have to, we have no choice but to really look at this as floodwaters. You know, floodwaters, when they are released, they carve things out. And, and so these people are, are being hit with the waters of wisdom pouring out of Stephen, who's just been assigned to wait tables. Mm -hmm. And so this would be so provocative and, um, and, and kind of like a, who do you think you are kind of moment? And, and Stephen let him know, it's not who I am. It's who I know. So um, I don't know on Sunday, I, I, I talked mainly about um, the beginning of chapter six and the, the two groups that are mentioned, that the Hellenists and the Hebrews. And these are two people groups that would not have been allowed in, they're Jewish, but they would not have been allowed in the temple. And, and we see... Um, we see some of this kind of leaking out in Jesus's interaction with the, the woman at the well. And, and Jesus is saying, listen, worship isn't going to happen in any temple. You know, there's a day coming when it, worship is just, it, it's wherever you are that worship mm -hmm. will pour out of you. And, um, and so these people, the Hellenists and the Hebrews, they're bringing in a, an, an, argument of injustice and um the way that, that god really revealed this to me is that um, these people carried a a victimhood and and they brought it into the 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 now culture of of the church that um, they got left out in the beginning and they're still being left out you can kind of feel that when you read through it with with an honest look at, at what's really going on here. And, and the disciples are, or the apostles are like, we don't have time for this, but we can assign seven men to, to basically handle your, your arguments of injustice, your victimhood. And, and, and with that, we have Stephen um, going to nth degree. He's not just waiting tables. He's not just distributing foods. He mm -hmm. is, distributing the power of heaven. And um, he's not waiting for some hierarchical position. <laughs> he's taking advantage of what he has and who he knows and, and leaking that out. So I don't know. That's probably not a great job at, at recapping Sunday, but it's where we're at jumping. Uh, you know, uh, the week before talking about the empowerment that Holy Spirit brings in witnessing. And Stephen here just opening his mouth and letting Holy Spirit come out. This is this is evidence of Holy Spirit giving the words, 
when the time is right. Yeah. Um, and, and what that that recap of of Israel's history meant to the people there, we're, we're kind of left questioning that. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, recap from Sunday. That was that was good. Um, the biggest thing that that stuck out to me, though, about that and, and even here with Stephen's appointment to take care of this perceived injustice and in that, like you said, going full out in that, um, he, he kept the mind of Christ on. He, he really embodied this here uh, before this was even uh, a phrase that, you know, Paul had talked about because, you know, at this point he's still Saul. And uh, but but Stephen really, really embodied all of this and just really embracing what it was he was assigned to do. He's called to serve, obviously. God has called him to serve and he will take any assignment that he has given and go full out with it. He doesn't care how lowly it looks, uh, how insignificant others may see it. Uh, I mean, if, if we slapped a label, um, of waiting tables on there, that's, that's pretty much what he was doing. He's taking care of the food situation with people and making sure that there is an even distribution among, uh, uh, the, the, those in need who are the Hellenist and those who are in need who are the Hebrews who are all believers in Christ though. And, and he did not care. So he, he really embodied that and, and took on the mind of Christ and submitted to what it is that he was given. And, and in that he found favor. Yeah. Obviously he found favor with Holy spirit and uh, there, there had to have been, a lot of things happening around him to draw the attention of, of the, the people trying to put down uh, um, the followers of Christ and trying to keep this, this name in, in under control, trying to keep it contained. And and we know that that was not going to happen. We have tens of thousands of people coming to believe in Jesus uh, and, and who knows how many all we know all were being healed that were being brought to the apostles. So this, this is something that's, that really is exciting to see. And, um, and, and looking at his embracing of that, I, I think is an important thing to, to be mindful of and, um, and understand that he didn't, didn't downplay what it was that he was being given. It was not unimportant. Everything uh, that he was assigned to do in this calling to serve was significant and, and significance holds meaning because we are going to put what we always talk about, our, our passion, our energy and authority behind that thing. And yeah. so if, if it's serving uh, people by, by giving food, waiting on tables, then by all means, that's 100% of your passion, energy and authority goes into that assignment. And, and lay hold of it and, and see what Holy Spirit does through you. And something else that we talked about in our discussion time after your teaching was um, Jeff brought out the idea of subversion per- versus persecution as, as relating to what we see today. And, you know, in, in the early church, this could have been uh, a tactic by the enemy and the unseen realm to subvert what was going on and try to get the apostles 
to take their focus and, and their gaze off of what they were assigned to do. But it didn't work. Obviously, we know that because right. immediately they're like, no, we, we're this isn't what we're assigned to do. This isn't what we're called to do. But we can pull people into this. And and, and this becomes a, a point of contention for us today. Like, who do we want to give up uh, control of something to? Because if we if we give up something, it may make us look weak. It may make us uh, look ineffective or it, it, we may even think that our own position in our own calling or assignment is somehow um, going to be taken from us because somebody else may shine brighter. And, yes. And, and this, so we wind up subverting ourselves, but you know, this, this whole idea of, of getting our eyes off of what it is that we are assigned to do, what it is that we are called to is something that we can look at Stephen and say, and this is a clear example right here of how we should be looking at, at our assignments. Nothing in the kingdom is insignificant. Nothing that we're right. called to do doesn't hold significance for the expansion of the kingdom, for uh, the advancement of the gospel. And I think we need to keep that in mind yeah. and, and, and not let it slide by. Right. Well, and it's, it's such an interesting thing that's actually happening here that um, at the end of chapter five is the beating of Peter and John, right? Like we know that these two have been, been arrested. They've been thrown in jail. An angel shows up. They escape. Could be, could have been all the apostles. Could have been all of the apostles. Right. Uh, Which is a whole different scene. It's so Mm -hmm. funny how your mind just wants to draw conclusions. Well, it was Peter and John in the fourth chapter, but then, you know, at the beginning of chapter five, they're all there. They're all there. It's just the apostles. So So, like, it's a whole gaggle. <laughs> of creatures that that perhaps were were jailed and then released and mm-hmm. um and I, I can't imagine how enraged these people are to find that they have been released and and the cell is still closed but that's not the point the point is is that they were beaten anyway they couldn't find anything to to hold against them to to mm-hmm. continue to hold them but they're like you know what for good measure let's beat them and and it 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 actually says they left their rejoicing because yeah. they knew they were being lumped in with Christ mm. because of this wrong treatment and they're rejoicing in that and then for the opening story in the very next chapter to be about a complaint of it's not fair mhm what is going on here? This is this is crazy. They literally the the chapter prior closes with rejoicing over mistreatment. And the very next line is about the injustice of not getting enough food. Mm-hmm. At, at this it's it's insanity. And and one of the things that that God had shared with me while I was preparing this teaching and I'll I'll post it in the comments here, but do not trust your narrative. Take it captive as if a treacherous beast willing to side with a murderer, your mind without submission to Christ pursues the death of the darling of heaven. And we know what he's talking about. We know what Jesus is talking about here. The, the the very people that embraced Jesus when he came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey mm-hmm. are crying out Hosanna. They The Messiah has been revealed to them. They're crying out Hosanna. They're seeing him in a fuller measure. 
And they are so moved by it that their only cry is you are the most high God. Days later, they're the same people crying out, crucify him. And they want to exchange the darling of heaven for Barabbas, the murderer. We have to be very careful with the narratives that we are believing because these people, the Hellenists and the Hebrews in in this occasion are introducing something that should have been like a foreign object in this community. It should have been like, you know, a tortilla unchewed going down your throat. This should have been something that, that was, that, that, that a, was dealt with, with the same ferocity that Peter deals with Ananias and Sapphira over. This is no different. This is a a victim mentality infiltrating their camp. And it should have been laid hold of as the treacherous beast that it was. When we allow that level of, of negativity to come antichrist spirit to enter into our camp, it will. You can be promised that it will wreak havoc. Mm-hmm. It will. And I, I think that we have been <clears throat> so mamby pamby about different things that, and we choose to overlook them like, oh, well, that's not necessarily the worst case scenario. So I'll let it pass. We have to take captive our thoughts. Having the mind of Christ has to become a a higher level importance to us than it is right now, because we are allowing anything to pass as fruit. And it is the very fruit that Jesus would have rejected because it's not offering him what he is worthy of. It's interesting uh, the way Luke writes, and I know we have these nice chapter breaks um, but you know, they, they didn't have those originally, but you can see the contrasting in, in the way Luke writes from, you know, he's got a pendulum that's swinging from one extreme to the other. You know, it's, it's the end of chapter four with, um, oh my gosh, what's his name? Barnabas, uh, yeah. uh selling property, bringing all the proceeds and laying it at the apostles feet. Yeah. The very next story. Immediately following that is Ananias and Sapphira. And we have deception of that voluntary act that he just laid out. Now we, we, we see that being uh, uh, an attempt to pervert that, uh, an attempt to, to pull in and garner something that wasn't there. And same thing here. You know, we in chapter five on rejoicing and then immediately have victimhood right on the heels of that. So it's, it's very interesting to, to look at the way Luke is laying this out. There is no middle ground here with Christ. It's either all, you're a believer, and, and you are going to step out in faith and, and have faith, or, or you're not going to believe. What, right. Where's it at? And, you know, that, that middle ground is, is the lukewarm land that we don't want to be found in. Right. 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 Rather you be hot or cold. And mm-hmm. uh, so it, it's, it's, it's something to, again, pay attention to here 
is catching these extremes back and forth and what's happening and what should be our focus. Uh, you talk about the sideways tortilla chip going down. I always think about the point getting stuck in the roof of my mouth. <laughs> um, same kind of irritation, um, you know, but, you know, we, we have to be able to, to really catch these things because it goes back to something I mentioned a little while ago, that persecution versus subversion. And here in the West, we don't really know persecution uh, mm -hmm. today as, as a church body. We do, however, know subversion. There are many things trying to subvert the gospel and we end up watering it down and, and, you know, softening the blow of decision to follow Christ and, and, and trying to, to paint it in some grand picture that is, is not reality where it's, it's all, everything's taken care of. You know, you can get gotten more troubles. Life's easy. And, and that subversion is just as effective on the church, if not more so than persecution. Because we see what happens in persecution in the early church. When they're persecuted, that message is going wide. Right. And, and, and the power of the Holy Spirit is, is on full display for everybody to see as these people walk around the streets. They're laying folks out on the ground. It doesn't say that Peter's shadow actually healed somebody, but obviously there was some kind of expectation that it did. So we can conclude by that, that at one point that happened, his shadow passed over somebody and they were healed. Right. If, if that's what they're seeing in the face of persecution, what do we see in the face of being subverted and, and what is coming against us covertly today is far more effective because we wind up, what do we wind up doing? Arguing with each other. And, and we don't see the same uh the same kind of power on display that they saw in the early church right if paul is talking about bringing the gospel message not just with fancy words but with power also what's going on there 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 has to be more here and the whole idea of subversion uh i think is is something that needs a lot of exploration and I think we'll be able to more easily spot it and, and not necessarily having to deal with it ourselves, because if we can spot it, we can just, you know, not step into that trap and, and be able to move forward and, and really start to, to pull on the mind of Christ. If we're pulling on the mind of Christ, we should be able to spot subversion and not call it persecution and not, victimize ourselves as believers or or let me rephrase that not pain ourselves as victims because you know th this is the culture and society we live in today the more uh, uh statuses of victimhood that you can stack on one another the more it is that you're accepted the more it is that you are celebrated the the more uh fame and likes and stuff you get on social media that's not what we are we are not victims so we shouldn't paint ourselves as victims of some imagined persecution when really what we are doing is stepping into the traps of subversion. Those, those things in the unseen realm that are looking to snag us and snare us and pull us in deeper and deeper and deeper. And, and we're seeing that played out on 
global stage right now, the yeah. exposure of, of that. And with Steven here, he was, he was snagged and pulled in deeper, but he was pulled in deep to the mountaintop of the glory of God. Yes. In this moment right here. And, and because he had the mind of Christ, he knew what it was to focus on and he could spot these things. And, and all of these people, the apostles included, re, uh, refused to be subverted here because, you know, looking at these extremes, you know, we come come off the high of Barnabas into the low of Ananias and Sapphira. We come off the high of rejoicing, of being found worthy, of dishonor in the name of Christ. Really, truly dishonored for the name of Jesus. I, I don't, I, I've never experienced that. I've never experienced true dishonor right. and, and true persecution because of the name of Jesus. I, I'm not even sure I could say I've, I've experienced true persecution for anything. Right. You know, so, um, th this is, this is, um, it, it's an, it's a fascinating story to start digging into and, and start pulling these things out. But we had better be able to identify what is attempting to subvert us, uh, uh because otherwise we're just going to wind up continuing to, to trust these narratives that you're talking about. Right. There will be no captivity of those thoughts. They just run wild. And when we let those things run wild, it's like, it's like a snowball rolling down the hill. It picks up more and more and more and just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. And it's going to slam down on us. It will absolutely slam down on us. And we will, we will find ourselves operating apart from the mind of Christ. We will find ourselves sighting with a murderer dangerous ground to be on yeah dangerous ground i don't want to be there um even though you know i'm starting to recognize those points where i am you, you, you know we can find those little moments of of letting narrative start to run wild how quick are you going to capture that thing right the longer you let it go the the more entrenched it's going to be narratives are truly dangerous and, and that's an important exercise you could do daily or, or at least weekly is what narratives are going through my head what are they telling me yeah and then what's what is what's the reality of of the kingdom uh with that narrative are they are they together are they butting heads what does that look like yeah go, go ahead here I just, I, I think that, that if we could actually see what is in operation behind a, a victim mentality or an orphan spirit, that we would be honestly, I think, disgusted. I think mm -hmm. we would be disgusted with what it is that, that we have bowed down to and offered credence to. And not only that, but we have given voice to manufactured persecution isn't right mm -hmm. like that 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 is it's actually it's such a slap in the face to the savior to the one who did bleed and and the one who was beaten the one who was crucified when we when we cry out in in this victim voice of um i've been mistreated 
that that Mm. this is an injustice it's it's manufactured persecution and and that is nothing more than a, a squeaky wheel honestly you are you are actually playing the role of a tether within your community you have got to absolutely 100% start taking captive every thought because your thoughts are impure you need the mind of Christ we have to and it says every thought not just the ones that bother you you can't mm-hmm. lean on your own understanding here you have right. to be be taking every thought captive like does this thought represent Christ in this moment? Maybe this thought will return and become a leading part of, of what it is that you're doing. But is this thought that I'm having right now for this moment, mm-hmm. will Christ be able to pull the worth that is owed him from this thought that's going on in my mind right now? We're so lazy. We are so lazy, just lazy, lazy Christians. And, and I, I think that, that for the most part, we have been fed a, a half-baked, baking seems to be the theme of today. It's a half-baked gospel. It's not the full gospel. We have, we have been, we've been duped. We have been duped. We think that our injustice has space, our, our feelings of injustice, our feelings of mistreatment should have space in our Christ communities. Mm-hmm. And they don't. They d- there is no space for that. Mm-hmm. There's no space for a victim mentality. No. At all. And I think that if we were capable of tracing our own history with Christ, we're going to see the same things happening. We're going to see these fantastic moments like the, like the, the apostles had where they're beaten and they're walking away going like <laughs> it increased their measure of praise that they were capable mm-hmm. of releasing because they were lumped in with Christ. And so then, good. and then on the backside of that, we enter into this 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 victim mentality, this orphan spirithood, where we're like, oh, it's not fair. Mm-hmm. We're we're so capable of both. We are capable of both. We are powerful, no matter what. You need to say that over yourself. Like, I am powerful, no matter what. Our I power, am powerful, no matter what. Yes. Our power does not ebb and flow. What we serve is the difference. We are powerful no matter what. The difference is what God are we serving in those moments? Hmm. What God are you serving in those moments? That's an excellent question. Because our our injustice, our, our perceived victimhood um, puts us in a position to put uh, faith in our own systems that we've created rather than putting faith in Jesus. And so now we start serving um, our systems as God rather than serving God himself. And, and like you said, that's lazy lazy. because 
lazy is comfortable. It doesn't, it doesn't irritate the flesh. It doesn't irritate those things that are in opposition to the spirit. And it's far easier to sit in comfort and, and be lazy rather than be irritated because your irritation is going to pull us up. And this is, Grant, this is a holy irritation here. Not, you know, understand what we're talking about. Yeah, not Um, you're annoying me. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Um, It's, this is, that's going to pull you up out of laziness. It's going to pull you up out of faith and systems that are created by man. And it's going to place you in a position to put faith in Jesus and to be able to, to put on his mind, to be able to walk in the favor of God, to be able to, to walk out the calling and assignments that you've been given to, to see the significance of the kingdom worked through you that, that God is wanting to do. It's, it is God's desire to, to have us, his family brought back together. And this is the whole point of what we're doing here is to share that message, to share simply and concretely the gospel of Jesus, but not to sugarcoat it either. Not to, not to lie to you, to get you in the door and then just say, now sit here. You don't need to do anything. Just show up on Sunday. Yeah. That that's not the reality of discipleship. It's not. Yeah. Uh, and, and so we have to understand that that injustice that we are perceiving is not necessarily injustice in the kingdom. Are, it, are our perceptions looking through the lens of our man-made systems? Or are they looking through faith in Jesus? Mm-hmm. So the the question still is is left up to each one to decide. Like you just asked, what what are you serving? Who are you serving? What God are you serving? The ones that you create or the actual most high God right? who was revealed to us in fullness through Jesus and, and belief in him is, is simply what brings us back into the family. That's the, the simpleness of it. Uh, the, the working out of it is, is where we, we get muddled in things, right? We want to make it too complicated because then we want to start inserting our own ideas and systems and an ability to earn different topic. But you get the idea of what, what we're saying here is, is uh, uh, victimhood is not what we should be holding on to. Victimhood is what the gospel removes from our life. It doesn't just push it down. So it's still there. It, it is actual a removal of that thing. And it places in us a joy an yeah. ability to rejoice <laughs> right after being beaten. And a beaten, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, it, it's it's wild. And mm-hmm. and Maria is saying, you know, our battle is not against flesh and blood. We are called to love no matter what. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to take that further and and say well, we're called to deny ourselves no matter what. Love mm-hmm. is not the the issue. It's what 
what we represent on a daily basis that becomes the issue. If I am not denying myself and following Christ, I'm misrepresenting love. I can't even touch the purity of love if I'm not denying myself because I, in my own flesh, cannot even come close to representing Christ-like love. I won't do it. I'll reach for manipulative tactics. That's just what I'll do. It's what it's what we do. We start to garner favor with one another rather than truly loving. We play games and and we just you guys, we are at a point where there we we don't have the space. We don't have the room to play games anymore. God is calling time on those things. We we have to move beyond our our little Christian games where where we are we're attempting to to trade favors and, and we're calling it the gospel. We're calling it love. It's not. That's not love. Love is that a man would lay his life down for another. That is the epitome of love. That I will deny myself because myself wants a whole lot. Myself will reach and grab at all kinds of things. But Christ doesn't. Christ's love lays itself down. Hmm. I love that. In, in denying self, we get to we get to look at that and see. Really, it allows us to see the favor of God in our lives. When we start to, when we start to do that and, and take love further into denying self, because you know that, that's truly laying your your life down for another. Yeah, it doesn't you know up up to death. Yeah, but there there are other ways short of that that we can lay our lives down every single day. Yeah, uh, you know, in serving one another and just general kindness, talking to one another checking in on people. These are ways you're laying your life down because you're taking one, you know, arguably your most precious resource time and, and investing that in relationship. Yeah. It, it's the, it's the same as taking that, that time and investing it in relationship with Jesus, which is what we do in, in prayer, in, in Bible study, in, in worship. And that's really what we should be doing in those times is, is, is building relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the same with one another too. If we are being transfigured to look more and more like Christ every single day, that's, that's part of what that looks like. And denying self is far easier said than done. Sometimes uh, life can be difficult and, Denying yourself isn't always going to look like what you think it will. And so we have to be open, just like Stephen was open to the the assignment that he was given and embraced it fully. What does denying yourself look like? It's not going to be the same for everyone. It just, it can't be. You, You can't just, again, come up with a system and say, this is what it looks like. Rubber stamp each person that comes by. Oh, yep. Yeah, they did this. Check the box. Because that's what it becomes. The minute we start to throw systems on it and start to try to make it look the same for everyone, 
it just becomes another to-do list item. You check the box and you move on and there's no real connection there. There is nothing there that builds relationship. And if, if we are properly taking what you're talking about, Angie, right there and denying self, then that is going to be the joy. We're going to find the joy in, right. in denying self because there's so much more gain in the kingdom than, than would be if I was to be selfish today. Yeah. Yeah, we've just got it all backwards. We've got it all backwards. We believe that the gospel exists for our gain in, in all kinds of things that are rooted in, in the earth, the treasures that are stored up in the earth. And these are things that Jesus warned about. We've become so mindful of treasures that can only be stored up in the earth. But the one thing that stores treasure up in, in, in the heavens and with God is love, real love, real love. And I'm not sure that we would know it if it was right before us because we've played so many love games. Mm -hmm. we, we, we deal in what we call compassion and I'm afraid that it's probably, if we saw the, the roots of what we call compassion, it doesn't fit within love's complex. I, I really believe it's just manipulative tactics. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I, I'm coming, I'm coming at this as someone who's having these things called out in me. God is, is doing a, an interrogation of my soul and, and the things that, that I reach for and, and how I garner for man's favor. And, and, and we talked about favor, uh, the, even the things that we call favor, that we would file under the favor of God. And around here in America, one of the, the prominent favorings of the Lord. Here we go. Here we go. Pro parking spot. I think he has since left, so we're safe. <laughs> okay. So you're going to stick that shank back in there and keep digging. He, he knows I'm playing. My, my, <laughs> husband, my husband thinks that, that God favors him when he finds a, a front row parking spot. Whatever. I'm not going to mess with hey, it. I can't, I can't lie. I've done that too. I've yeah, said the same thing. I, I think that, that a lot of people do, that they believe that it's the favor of the Lord. But can I just ask you why on earth? Would, would the God of all things care about a parking spot? <laughs> you know, I mean, sure, if you're an amputee and, and you don't have the little, you know, handicap parking sticker on your car, by, by all means, that, that could be filed under the favor of the Lord. However, the, the favor of the Lord by and large has nothing to do with our monetary gain, with our, with our having to walk a, a lesser distance into the grocery store. It has nothing to do with that. The favor of the Lord is coupled with the fear of the Lord. The mm -hmm. two of them go hand in hand and the favor of God is actually what creates multiplication 
among us, we see the favor of the Lord playing out. Listen, you see the favor of the Lord playing out even in the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Yeah. Look what happens there. Two people got dead. Two people are killed. For, for those of us that really believe that you cannot get hurt in the glory, you can. You can, you can get dead. That's just the simple truth of it. The glory of God is sheer power. Mm. And if we aren't walking in a, an upright manner, denying self, what, what are Ananias and Sapphira, Sapphira actually caught doing? They're promoting self, right? Mm -hmm. They're serving themselves. They're serving themselves. They're not serving the, the mission at all. Mm -hmm. They're serving themselves. They're looking for a leg up within the mission. They're serving themselves. They go and they sell land for the service of self. There is no denying self in the story. Yet the glory of the Lord is present. Mm -hmm. And we see a multiplication on the backside of this. And here's what's really awesome is it, we, we begin to see the pieces and parts of the favor of God in that there's a mm -hmm. protection that comes on the mission where now people are standing on the other side of the street. They want to look on, but they're like, yeah, I don't know if I will also join the dead people because... Yeah. They're starting to consider what is it that I'm actually carrying? What is it that I'm actually believing? And, and, and so this is the favor of God. The favor of God on one person's life is for all. Mm -hmm. All get to partake in that. And, and so you, you really do. I mean, you, you can find that where the fear of the Lord is, there is also the favor of the Lord. And, and it, it covers all. And, 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 and honestly sets itself up as a protective barrier between those who are looking for the leg up, the personal gain, and those who are willing to lay their lives down as a, a, a living sacrifice, those who are willing to feed the fire of the Lord. Yeah. You, you talked about these, the selfish favor and... Uh, you you assigned it to fleshly desires wrongly assigned. And I, I think that is that is one of those things that if we keep that in mind, we'll we'll start to look at, you know, and ask the question, what are my stories that show favor out of the fear of God? Yeah. So we'll be able to start pointing to this this is true favor right here. Yeah. Um Anne-Marie's comment, pride, I've got too much to lose. Humility, I've got nothing to lose. I think of humility in a different, a little bit different way. If if I'm humble, I am I am out searching for improvement, for growth or something. You know, my humbleness says to me that I have everything to gain by going out somewhere. Uh, so when I'm coming to Christ, I'm, I'm putting myself down to say, I don't, I don't know. I need to, I need true wisdom. Mm -hmm. And so um, I take humility a little bit differently. And I understand what you're saying there. You've got nothing to lose. You can be humble, but in being humble, you have everything to gain. 
right. because it op- you open yourself up to say, okay, what's what's going on here? What where can where can I dig deeper? What am I finding? What what treasure is down here? Of course, taking it all captive and doing your interrogation, but right. you know, even in that, even in uncovering the the things that are trying to subvert you or or persecute you. There's growth there because now I recognize you. I see you. I see what you got now. You better try harder. Right. Because it just isn't working out. So we, we can think of it as having everything to gain as well. And I, I love being able to see these things and listening to you tie the favor of God to the fear of God. Uh, the, gosh, it, it just, it, it's again, it's going to point you to that question is where, what are my stories? What are my exactly. stories that I can point to that say, this is favor. And I can, I can directly link that to fear of God. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and see the touch it, points it, back and forth. Here's where you can take this further in this idea, this, this narrative of what the favor of the Lord should look like is uh, what favor do you think you're owed? The who? Right. I mean, how many of us have played that little Christian game? You know, well, I gave here, therefore I'm owed here. And and we call that the favor of the Lord. But here's the deal. I believe that so often that scenario, that narrative is, again, selfish gain. It is looking for a leg up. It's not, it's it's self-gratifying. It's not, this is for the whole. Like, yes, I sowed. And therefore I must reap because the favor of the Lord says so. That's not how it works. If, if what is reaped is not for the benefit of the whole, because oneness, right? If it's not for the benefit of the whole, God is not going to allow you to reap that until that narrative has been completely plucked out. It Mm -hmm. does not work that way. Yes, there is a, there is a principle. There is even a law of sowing and reaping. You will see this played out no matter what. I'm talking about the kingdom. I'm talking about kingdom sowing and reaping. Mm-hmm. And, and oftentimes, most of us like to play this game, even with our tithes and our offerings. We're like, well, I guess I'll be all in because, you know, somebody told me that, that God would throw open the windows of heaven, which is true. But what is going on in the heart? What's going on in the heart? Have you truly denied yourself or are you looking for personal gain, mm-hmm. utilizing what God has given you, the seed that God has given you to, to offer up because there was nothing wrong with offering up seed money, right? That's what the people are doing. Barnabas sets this up. He is, he, he is like, I'm going to go sell land and I'm going to give all the proceeds to to the apostles and let them do with it what they will for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. He put himself into the scenario of the kingdom and was moved to do what he did. Ananias and Sapphira are looking at this from a completely different angle. And, and I think that you could even apply this to this, this Hellenist and Hebrew argument that's going on at the beginning of of six, they are coming at this from a completely wrong perspective. And I still cannot grab hold of how you can be aware of the beating of possibly 12 men who went out rejoicing and you can still come at it with a, this isn't fair. I, I, I just can't. Yeah. Uh, that, that whole 
ideas, just it's works. You know, what favor am I owed? What favor oh, am I Okay. So you've done this and now God owes you. Okay. Right. That's that's exactly how that works. Right. That's yeah. It's laughable when you when you pull it out and when you say it out loud, it becomes a point of of yes, Emery, ouch. Yeah. Yeah. The majority of our narratives are likened to Lucifer's idea that he could take over heaven, that he had what it took, that he could hold all things together. That's typically what our narrative is. We can take it beyond the, the, the ability, the capability mm-hmm. of wanting to see somebody murdered, innocence murdered. We can take yeah. it further and believe that we are capable of holding all things together. I'm not sure how we think that has created beings. Jesus, help us. Jesus, every hour. <laughs> every hour. Every it's hour, I need you. Back. <laughs> I need you every hour. Every hour, we need the, the the washing of the water of the word daily, and we need the the reminder, like a Holy Spirit provocation every hour. It doesn't mm-hmm. take me long to get off track. It just doesn't. It does not take me long. I can I can exit the most glorious encounter with the Lord and have the most fallen narrative on the backside of that. All I got to do is get in the car. Yeah. Road rage. <laughs> yeah. Right. So we need we need the provocation of Holy Spirit mm-hmm. in our lives. We need to yield. We need to yield. We need to die fully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it'll help if we will agree with the reality of the true gospel. Oh. It's it's not it's not what we've made it out to to be. It's it's not. The 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 gospel, the church life, Christianity, the mission is not this glamorous invitation. It's not. It's it's mm-hmm. it's blood, it's death. It's, it's persecution. It's glorious life. Hmm. I think that, that we have, we have hijacked the, the importance of becoming a living sacrifice of, of denying yourself to the point of surrendering all. Yeah. And, and we've, we've really just played on the backside of that thing and, and said that, Oh, you, you know, you're seated in heavenly places. You are not seated in heavenly places until you have died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there, there is, there is a, an avenue by which we become seated in heavenly right. places. Right. Our, our reality as those seated will be tainted if we do not fully submit to the call of the gospel, which is to not deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow Christ. Hmm. So good. Amen.
Amen. Amen. It's it's a brilliant invitation. Mm-hmm. That we gain everything. But dying is is essential. Yes. So with that, we bless you. <laughs> with that, we bless your Valentine Day. That was a little bit of Valentine and a little bit of Ash Wednesday. <laughs> there you go. We made it happen. We brought it all together for you. Oh gosh, you guys. All right. We are in um, conference preparation season and therefore you're going to hear the reminder weekly. We have a conference coming up. Behold, in July 12th through the 14th. And I realize July probably feels like it's far off, but it's not because listen, it's February 14th already. And, and the, the seventh month is around the corner. I just know it. So um, we've got Rebecca King, who it'll be her, her third time here in, in Kansas and Kansas loves Rebecca King. And fourth uh, conference, third time here. What's that? Fourth conference, right? But third time. Fourth conference, here. third time physically in Kansas. The first one we did was online. Um, uh, we've got Mark Birch Machen coming, and um, I'm really looking forward to that. And um, Laura Beth Malloy, it'll be her second time here in mm-hmm. in a, a short amount of time. So yeah. looking forward to having this powerful trio in Kansas. I'm not sure Kansas is ready for it, but it's happening nonetheless. Pray for us to be ready. Yes. Go get yourselves registered. We, um, there is no, there's no charge, but we do need to have you reserve your seat because we're limited on space. Mm -hmm. And, um, so you can go out to unededlife.org slash behold. It's in to, the comments. To get registered. Very good. Yes, it's in the comments. I see that. Um, and if you do feel like God is prompting you to partner financially with us in this, we would love that. So there is an option to give on that same webpage that um, that you can register for the conference for. So we would love for you to partner with us. And because it is going to be, it's going to be an impactful summer I, I really have great expectation of, mm-hmm. of what is transpiring. God has been telling us for a while now that we will host the nations. And, and I believe that this will be first fruits for us to, to host the nations well. And I'm just going to brag. We're really good at hosting. <laughs> we are. It's just who we are. We're good at hosting. Just what we're, it is. Yes. So we're good at loving people. And um, if you do choose to give, please. Um, there is a, a place to select the fund, select the Behold Conference, so that way we know it's it's specifically for that. Yeah. Yes. All right, guys. Until next time, be blessed. <laughs>